Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. my responsibility this morning to wrap up a series that we've been uh, in for a number of weeks now, and, and the series uh, has been entitled uh, Victory Over the Darkness, and I just want to give, a, just it's a book like this, and it's by uh, Neil uh, Anderson, and I would encourage you, if you have not uh, uh, got the book, uh, make sure you go out and get it. Uh, it's a book that, that has uh, um, amazing teaching uh, and truths, and so that's what we've been preaching on. Uh, for a, a number of weeks about experiencing victory uh, over uh, the, the darkness. Uh, the underlying emphasis uh, throughout this book is not only about victory over darkness, but it's about disciples making disciples, which also happens to be part of our mission statement here at the church. And, and our mission statement goes, a bridge to life uh, in Jesus, disciples making uh, disciples. So the bottom line for us today as we come to the conclusion of this series. We, we, we need to take uh, inventory. We need to find out where our role is. If we are going to be effective and victorious in our ever-changing world, listen to me, we must be disciple makers. If we are going to see the light penetrate the moral and spiritual darkness of our world, we must be disciple makers. If we are going to be part of the gates of hell shall not prevail church, then we must be disciple makers. Did you see the reoccurring theme? We must be disciple makers. Rick Warren from Saddleback Church gave us a phrase several years ago, and the phrase said, we are better together. Today, once again, we remind ourselves as we conclude our series, we are not islands unto ourselves. But here's the title of our sermon for this morning is that people grow better together. People grow better together. So the emphasis is really on us doing our part, working together, coming together, uh, realizing that we are uh, better together. So there are some word pictures that I want to share with you this morning that will help us as we conclude this series on, on people grow better together. Paul, in his writings to the church, often would give a word picture. He would often uh, give a description so that the people listening to him would be able to understand the spiritual truths. So there's, there's a couple of things we want to unpack today from Scripture, but let me give you a couple of the word pictures that, that Paul uh, shared with the church. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, uh, verses 14 through 16, he says this, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 
He makes the whole body, and here's the word picture. He starts talking about the physical body. He says he makes the whole body fit together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Once again, so there it is. Paul gives you the picture of a, of a human body and how it works together. But that's the same way we in the body of Christ, we who attend church, we are part of a spiritual body. This is how we are to work. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another, once again, it's a word picture that, that Paul gives to us to help us understand the spiritual dynamic that we are to experience as a body of Christ. He says over in, in the, the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer. Once again, referring to the body of Christ. And it says all the parts suffer with it. So if one part is honored, all the parts are, are, are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So there's this connection. There's this significance. It's, it's the speaking to us this morning that everyone in this room, even though we may not know each other uh, uh, that well, uh, the, the message that Paul would give to us this morning is that we are connected. We need each other. We need each other to grow. We need each other to be effective in our world. We need each other to experience victory over the darkness. We believe that you can experience personal victory, but you need to understand that there is, there is a victory that God wants us to, to uh, understand and experience as we collectively work together. So my focus this morning is found over in Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, Paul is giving the illustration of a tree. And, and he talks to us about what the church is to be like. And so I want you to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there uh, and, and look it up. But over in Colossians 2 in uh, 7, it gives us word picture. So let's begin. So it's about a tree. It says, let your roots grow down into him. Just let. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. And verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So don't let anyone, let me repeat that. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsenses uh, that, that came from, that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than for Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So, in verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. A lot is uh, 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 conveyed in just that small passage of scripture, the scripture as Paul talks about the tree and letting your roots go down and then, and then uh, 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 being built up and, and growing and, and, and overflowing. So there's that picture uh, of the church. Now, for all the horticulturists in the room, and I'm sure that there are some this morning. Uh, uh, there, this analogy is, is quite simple. Uh, when the seed is planted uh, in good soil, 
roots will grow and, and growth occurs, right? Isn't, isn't that, I mean, for the horticulture, isn't that right? You know, you, you got the seed and you put it in good soil and the roots go down and it grows and it overflows. Is that, is that right? Uh, yes and no. Uh, for example, I, I want to tell you, sh- share a little story about what happened with me. Now, back in the winter months, uh, matter of fact, it was last fall that I went over to Canadian Tire and I brought one of those uh, uh, starter kits, you know, where, where it has all those uh, uh, little, little cells there in this big pack of around 72 of them. And the whole idea is that you put a couple of seeds in each one of these little, I guess, uh, condensed or dried up peat moss. And uh, that about, uh, about 10 weeks or so uh, before spring hits, uh, you put some water on it and you watch it and your seeds grow. And uh, so, uh, and I bought a whole bunch of petunia seeds. I don't know about you if you ever bought petunia seeds. I thought, man, petunias grow like crazy. I thought big, I could do that. And petunia seeds are very, very small. And uh, after uh, going through the process and doing what they told me, uh, after planting 72 pods with probably over 100 petunia seeds, I was not able to grow one single petunia. Because you can't just let the, the seed go into ground and, and, and needs to be tended to. Now, some of you horticulturists are out there saying, what did you do? Or what did you do? So, I mean, there are a number of things. And so, so <laughs> my point is this, that in order for the seed to grow, it needs to be nurtured. It needs to be nurtured. And, and you've been receiving a lot of seed. You've been receiving a lot of good teaching uh, in the last several weeks, but it, it needs to be now nurtured, and that's why the theme is that people grow better together. Paul's all-encompassing emphasis for Christ's followers is one of being rooted, built up, and overflowing uh, so we can have a walk in Christ that is healthy. So let's, let's look at the first one. Let's unpack the being rooted in Christ. Jesus told the story of a farmer, and he would often tell parables to illustrate his point. So Jesus, Jesus uh, wanted to send home how important it was that we understood that seed was planted in the right kind of soil and, and that also that it would be rooted properly. So over in Matthew uh, chapter 13, we, we had this uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, and Jesus is talking about this farmer. He says, as the farmer scattered them across his field, referring to the seed, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Uh, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. That was in verses uh, 4 through 6 in Matthew 13. Uh, Same chapter, down a little bit further, Jesus goes on and he explains uh, to the uh, uh, listeners that day, uh, and he said this, but since, in talking about the seed, since the seed, they have no root, they last only a short time. And he talks about those that are planted in shallow soil and, and, and and the roots are not tended to. And so he says, that's like when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this morning, you want to ask yourself this question along with me. What does it mean to be rooted in Christ? 
Rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, overflowing. Number one, when we say that you are rooted in Christ, this is what it means. You have become a child of God. 1 John 5, 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Also, what it means to be rooted in Christ is this, is that you now have a desire to know the truth. Over in John 8 and 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All of these are descriptions of what it means to be rooted in Christ. And when you're rooted in Christ, you begin to experience uh, these uh, 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 revelations of the understanding that now I'm a child of God and I want to know the truth. Over in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it also lets us know that when you are rooted in Christ, you now are free in Christ. Galatians 5 and 1 says this, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So once again, that's paying attention to the roots, that roots do need to be nurtured. And and also, another dimension of being rooted in Christ is that you have become submissive. Over in Ephesians 5 and 21, uh, and Paul is giving this uh, illustration about uh, the, uh, the marriage and, and the relationship between couples. And then he says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when you are rooted in Christ, and that's where it starts for us, you realize I'm a child of God. You all of a sudden now you start, I want to know truth. Uh, and also you begin to say, man, I am, I've been freed. I have been freed from the, the power of sin, which is so huge. And also you realize, hey, you know what? This is not about my will, but this is about me doing the will of the Father. And I, you wake up with a desire. I want to be submissive to what he's asking me to do. And then over Romans 5 and 8, and this is, this is so huge for our culture, because in our culture, uh, people are so longing to know these two things. When you are rooted in Christ, you discover that you're accepted, and you are affirmed. In our culture, people are looking all around. They want to belong. People want to belong. They, they, they want to be affirmed. And, and in our culture, identity is so huge, and, and, and it's such a confusing spot. When, but when you are rooted in Christ, as Romans 5 and 8 is this. It says, but God, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And, and the beauty of that verse is that this shows about, speaks about God's love and that how God reaches out to us. And, and when he sees us, he doesn't look at us as, well, yeah, you've achieved so many standards and you've gone and you've done, you've taken so many courses and now I'll accept you. No, he accepts us because he loved us and that before before we even knew him, Christ died for us so that we would be able to experience eternal life. So all of us in Christ, we need to understand this this morning, that all of us in Christ, we are called to be disciples. But not only disciples, but we are also, be called, also called to be disciplers. We're also called to be learners and teachers. We all this morning, 
We've all been placed on a pathway to learn what it is to be in Christ and to walk by the Spirit and live by faith. And so Paul is, is talking about this, the, this tree letting our roots go down, but he's really talking about an ongoing cycle. He's talking about this dynamic that is to be taking place in the church. And it's not to just be happening in an isolation, but it's been ha- happening together. So it's an ongoing process if we are going to mature. So a lot of people get rooted. I, they understand what it is to be rooted in, in Christ, but often that's where it stops. They, they don't understand about being built up, and they don't understand about the walk. So when we talk about being built up in Christ, which brings me to, my, to the second point, and as Paul talked about, okay, let your roots go down and, and, and let them go down now, but also be built up. And what does it mean to be built up? What does it mean to be built up in Christ and, and to be built up in the faith? Well, number one, it means learning how to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Let me read uh, Galatians chapter 5 uh, and verses 19 through uh, 21. And, and, and Paul goes into detail and he talks about if, you, if you're having any trouble knowing what is flesh and what is spirit, he, he really helps us out with this. And he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's sexual immorality, impu- impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, divisions, uh, uh, dissension, oh my goodness, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so being built up is learning how to walk according to the Spirit of God and not according to our flesh or, or, or those sinful desires. Uh, also, being built up in Christ is learning how to accurately handle the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the Word of God. Learning how to accurately handle the Word of God. If there's ever a day that you and I need to know how to accurately handle the word of God. And we need each other. Man, I tell you, man, I've heard people come up with interpretations from the scripture that I wonder where they have come from because they've come up with interpretations on their own. And God has never intended you and I just to interpret the Bible on our own. That's why he's given us the body of Christ. And that's why we need each other so that as we read the word of God and it comes, then we begin to understand what it means and balance and how we can apply it not only individually, but as, as the body of Christ. And that's why Paul said, Timothy, listen, you need to know how to study the word and you need to do it uh, and so that you will be uh, uh, approved, a good worker, and so that you know how to rightly divide the word of truth or the word of God. Paul also went on to say uh, that we not only need to learn how to accurately handle the word of God and learn how to walk according to the spirit. But he also said we, we need to learn how to cultivate the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5 and 22 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, fruit in our lives, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, I like it when all those things just happen automatically. I like it when, man, you wake up and, man, there you go, and you're just full of patience, and you're full of joy and peace and all those kinds of of things. That's really nice. 
But I think most of you in this room have found out that the fruit of the Spirit is something that needs to be cultivated. I mean, it needs, it, it needs to be uh, uh, focused upon. It's something where you say, God, I'm not patient today, and I need today to just surrender my impatience to you. Or, God, today, I don't have the joy. I need the joy of the Lord today. And you begin to learn what it is. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment, how to build ourselves up. But the fruit of the Spirit is something that needs to be cultivated. And it's something that some, sometimes we just leave it to people to do it on their own. But I'll tell you, it's just like my garden experience and, and planting flowers and Please pray that next year I'll be more successful. But, but you, know, uh, you know, when we are left to do it on our own, man, we make all kinds of uh, mistakes and, and we, we live substandard or we live in defeat. And Paul went on to say about not only about the fruit of the Spirit, but he said learning self-control. Uh, over Galatians 5 and 23, and this is a continuation really of the fruit of the Spirit, he says gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things. Learning to forgive and to accept one another. We've heard some great messages in the last couple of weeks on how important it is that we, we learn how to forgive and, and how we learn how to accept one another. Uh, Paul talked over in Ephesians 4 and 31. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ uh, has forgiven you. Uh, that is that is part so, so important for you and I to know how it is to build each other up. And in the fall, and in the days to come, you're going to hear about some uh, teaching. You're going to hear about some courses. You're going to hear about some preaching. And all of this is to help us to, to, to learn how to build up one another to, so that we will be uh, the, the body of Christ. And so there are a number of things that Paul talks about. This is how we learn how to build up each other. I like this one over here, found over in Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. And it says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, I tell you, there's all kinds of interpretations on what that means. But I want you to know that from a Pentecostal and a charismatic perspective, when we read a scripture like this and what it means to us is that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, that means speaking in the heavenly language. That means speaking in tongues. What do you mean? Well, listen, if you're not Pentecostal, I understand. Just bear with me. Kind of hear me out. But, you know, I tell you, there are times when I wake up in the middle of the night. And, and, and you know, I, 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 my mind is uh, on some things. And I, I'm burdened. And I'm feeling some anxious thoughts. And, and I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what to do. And, and I'm just feeling uh, things that, that I, I shouldn't be feeling. I'm feeling some of the, the anxiety that I just read about. But it's in those moments. And I tell you, I do this often. That in those moments that I began to use my heavenly language. And as I began to speak with that heavenly language, you know what happens? God comes and by his spirit, he begins to build me up. And you know what happens? The anxiousness, it subsides and there's peace. And there's peace that comes and there's joy. And there are times that God speaks so clearly to me. As, as I use the heavenly language, and that's what Jude is talking about. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So if you're not, if you're not Pentecostal, you don't know what that means, I encourage you, seek. Seek the Holy Spirit. And if you are, I want to encourage you, you know, use what God has given to you. Because if there's ever a day that we need 
need the body of Christ to be strong and alive and well. It's now and to be built up in the most holy faith. Now that brings me to point number three. Point number three is Paul has talked about, you know, about our roots going down. That's good. And then he talks about, you know, kind of being built up and you can see the tree growing. But Paul's, Paul's final emphasis uh, and the culmination is that this tree that has let its roots go down and it's been built up now is an overflowing tree. It's a tree that is knowing how to walk in the spirit. It's knowing how to, to walk in, in, uh, according to Christ's teaching. One of the, one of the um, mentors in my life who's been helping me with a small group ministry, his name is Mark Howell. And Mark Howell has a definition of, of a disciple. And you remember I, I, I alluded to we need to be disciples, all of us. We need to be discipled and we need to be a discipler. And Mark Howell, his definition of a disciple is this. He says, a mature disciple is one, and listen to this, who effortlessly, effortlessly does what Jesus would do if Jesus were him. Let me read that one again. Okay, listen to it. Okay. He said, a mature disciple is one who effortlessly, I mean, just let roots go down, be built up, does what Jesus would do if Jesus were him. You've heard the phrase, what would Jesus do? It's the same type of thing. Walking in the spirit and walking in Christ is doing what Christ would have us to do. It's with that conscience. Jesus, what would you do? Many times we wake up in a day and we can go off. I know I got this one, Jesus. I'm okay on my own. But, you know, that's not what God calls us to walk. He calls us to, to walk uh, uh, in faith and walk in Christ, uh, doing what Jesus would do. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is about walking with, walking in Christ. And we've had uh, our, our lead pastor, uh, Chad uh, McLaren, has, has taught us and encouraged us and spoke to us uh, uh, many times about being, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, not getting ahead of the Holy Spirit, not lagging behind, but, but, but walking in step with the Holy Spirit being led by the Holy Spirit. You know what being led by the Holy Spirit is all about? It's, it's saying, Holy Spirit, is this okay? You know, it, it may sound good. You may say, well, man, I, I've been watching a number of YouTube uh, 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 talks on this, and I know it's okay. No, I didn't ask you about what YouTube said. I, I, I'm asking you, what, what does Jesus say? What does the Word God say? You know, and, and there's a lot of things, and, and we're all caught up in, in a number of uh, angles, and whether, whether it's YouTube or, or whether it's, it, it's a, an authority on this, an authority on that, the bottom line is today you and I need to be saying, Lord, is, is this okay? Is this what you want me to do, Holy Spirit? Is this the way you're leading me? I want you to know every day my walk in Christ looks like this. I start off very early in the morning. I have this time. It's a daily recalibration. It's very early in the morning. It's a time when I have my devotions. It's a time when I'm, I'm, I'm praying and interceding on behalf of other people. But it's a, most importantly, it's a time when I am waiting in his presence and listening, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, 
Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is, is allowing the peace of God to rule uh, in our hearts. Over in uh, Colossians chapter uh, 3, verses 15, and you read there, you'll find about let the peace of God or let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. If there's one thing that you need to experience on a daily basis, it's the peace of God ruling in your hearts. When you experience the peace of God, and maybe everything else around you may be in turmoil, and maybe things are going the opposite direction that you want them to go. But knowing his peace, experiencing his peace, that is walking with Christ, and that is overflowing with his presence. Discipline, paying attention uh, to those things that God has given to us, and bottom line is brotherly love. Brotherly love, most importantly, as if you're overflowing, you want to know if you're overflowing, then it's, it's very easily to t- it's easy to tell. It's, it's depicted in your love for one another. Well, I need to wrap up this message this morning. And so in conclusion, I, I want to share with you a quote that comes from uh, Neil Anderson that perhaps may be helpful to us. And so the conclusion is, he says this, too many Christians, and, and we hope and pray that it's not the case here, but the reality tells us that it often is. And so, so Neil, uh, he says, too many Christians are stuck at level one. They got rooted. They accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, and they know that they're born again. And, and, and then, you know, after it's all done, well, I'm going to heaven, and that's where they stay. They stay there for, for years. And so Anderson, he says, many Christians are stuck on level one, locked into the past, immobilized by fear and, and isolated by, by rejection. You know why? Because they heard, they heard about the truth, but they didn't know how to apply it to their lives. And, and, and you know what they were also missing when they didn't know how to apply it to their life? They were missing. They, they, they weren't talking to brothers and sisters that were older uh, and more mature who had experienced the, real, the reality of truth being uh, uh, released in their life. And, and so, uh, so he says, too many Christians are stuck on level one, locked in the past, immobilized by fear and isolated by rejection. They have no idea who they are in Christ, so they are making very little progress and becoming like him. Rather than telling immature believers what they should do, let's help them celebrate what Christ has already done and help them become who they already are in him. That sounds good, right? That's good. All right, so here's the wrap-up. And, and just before I do that this morning, I really, as, as I come to this wrap-up, I really want to um, uh, speak to people today that y- y- you want to experience the victory. And I, the first chorus that we sang, the first worship chorus that, I, that we sang today, I, I really I felt it has set the temple for us all here this morning. Uh, and I uh, just really talked about what's already been done for us. And so this morning, uh, if there's areas that you need to experience victory uh, in your life, and, and I'm praying that not only for yourself, but, but for someone else as well. The prayer team's going to come up to the front uh, in, in just a moment, uh, and they've been asked to have their mask on, and they've also been asked to keep social distancing, so we got all that straight in line in, in place. But today, we really want to encourage you to come and be in agreement in those areas that, that you need victory. And you don't have to go into detail. And it may be for someone else, and that's okay as well. But I just want to let you know that we're going to do that in just a moment. So I want to repeat what I said at the beginning of this message. If we are going to be effective 
and victorious in our ever-changing world. Do we recognize that we're in an ever-changing world? Is our world changing? Yes, it is. Okay. And uh, in our changing world, we must be disciple-makers. If we are going to see the light penetrate the moral and spiritual darkness of our world, we must be disciple-makers. How many, how many see that? that? That's a challenge. Are you aware of the moral and the spiritual darkness around? Do you see it? Do you feel it? I do. I'm sure you do. And if we are going to see the light penetrate the moral and spiritual darkness of the world, we must be disciple makers. We must be committed to helping people be rooted and built up in overflowing. If we are going to be part of the gates of hell shall not prevail, church, then we must be disciple makers. We must be helping people get rooted. We must be helping people to be built up. We must be helping people to overflow because it's that kind of people that the gates of hell shall not prevail. That was good preaching right there just a moment. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, okay. I want to leave you with this acrostic. V is for voluntarily. Jesus voluntarily yielded to the death of the cross for you and me, so that we would experience victory. I is for innocent. Jesus, our Lord, who took on flesh, and yet he still was God. He was innocent. The letter C is for the bitter cup he drank from in the Garden of Gethsemane. T is for the triumph of sin and the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? O is for obedience. Philippians 2 and 6 says this, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So there's V, there's I, there's C, there's T, there's O. And that brings me to R. R is for resurrection power. Resurrection power that has been made available for you and I uh, because of Jesus' death. And why? Why is for you and me? Because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in you and it dwells in me. So it's V-I-C-T-O-R. Why? What does it spell? It spells victory. It spells victory over and over again. This morning, as you get ready to leave from this place, you are not leaving here looking for victory. You are not looking to say, you got it, man, I got to go out there and get victory today. You are leaving this place because the victory has already been won for you because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you that the victory has been won. We thank you, Father, today that this is a moment that we can help to ensure victory. Lord, we can help to come alongside people that maybe say, I'm in the thick thick of the battle and I don't see victory. But I want you to know that our Lord Jesus Christ, he has already won the victory and victory is ensured uh, because it is ours and because the same spirit that rose our Lord Jesus Christ from the 
dead is the same spirit that now dwells in us. So, Lord, I want to thank you today that as we leave this place, we can go out in the confidence. We can go out uh, uh, knowing that it is because of what you have already done on a cross more than 2,000 years ago. And we give you the praise and give you the glory today that we have just begun. So may we be a people that knows what it is to be rooted, built up, and overflowing. And may we be true to your word and be disciple makers going out into this world and making disciples in your name, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 